Hello everyone and welcome to Changing Conversations with me, Billy Burke. And me, Sarah Philp. We're really glad you've joined us on this podcast. This podcast is all about changing conversation. Conversation is one of the oldest ways to nurture the conditions for growth and improvement. We come alive when we talk about what's important to us and it's this that has the potential to guide us into new and different ways of being and offer the potential for great things. In this podcast, we want to explore the big questions and the small questions. It's a place for thinking and conversations that hold the potential for change. You will hear from us as well as some of our guests. We would love to hear from you and for you to get involved. You can also follow us on Twitter at Changing Conversations. Opening a brand new school is something very few head teachers will have the opportunity to do. Gail Preston is head teacher and head of establishment for Rose Hill High School in East Lothian. The school opens in August 2023 and in this episode I get the chance to chat with Gail about her leadership journey, the excitement, the highs, the lows and all the bits in between. This might be a pretty unique opportunity but there's lots here for all of us to think about. Gail, lovely to see you again. It's been a wee while since we've we've seen each other. We did know each other in previous lives, let's put it that way. Um, thank you for taking time out for your Easter holiday to chat with me this morning. Um, you find yourself in, I think what most people, and I think what you would call quite an exciting position and opportunity. So let's just start by having you introduce yourself and say a little bit about what that opportunity and what that position is. Yeah, so my name's Gail Preston and I am the head teacher of Rose Hill High School and that is part of the overall provision of the brand new Wallaford Learning Campus in East Lothian. And it's really interesting, Sarah, that you picked up on the word excitement because that's a wee bit of a, a running joke amongst incoming staff just now. We've literally been looking up thesauruses to try and find words other than excitement <laughs> because it's the one that comes through time and time again. So in terms of context, if that's helpful, um, the school and the campus provision will be opening in August. 2023 will be opening to just over 300 pupils and the school was really built as a result of um, the, the the huge and the, the speedy um, expanse um, in terms of East Lothian's population. Um, East Lothian is Scotland's second fastest growing local authority and there's lots of opportunities that come with that but there's also lots of challenges as well um, and one of those of course is making sure that we have the infrastructure there for young people and their families. So the campus itself is much more than just a high school. Um, it's a provision which is going to host the local sport and leisure facilities, the library, the community service, um, centre I should say, adult health and social care, um, and our Bray as well, which is our large provision for young people with severe and complex needs. As well as being the head of Rose Hill High School, I'm also the head of establishment. So that involves working with multiple partners um, to look at a way that we can really build a community from scratch, not just a school from scratch, but build a community from scratch um, and everything that that entails. So we serve um, the areas of Wallaford and the pinky area of Musselburgh, and there have been lots of catchments redrawn. Um, so some of our population is coming from an existing school and some's coming straight from our primaries. Um, so 
will be opening to S1 to S3 only in August. That includes a pretty big S1 coming through. It gets bigger week by week. In fact, I was in my emails this morning and saw the results of several placing requests coming through. And then the other part of our population has started their education in Musselburgh Grammar and has moved over. Um, so in terms of transition, uh, lots of schools talk about P7 into S1 being crucial and they might talk about S3 into the senior phase or the senior phase into further than higher education. But every single young person who's coming to us in August is, is experiencing a transition and every single member of staff who's coming to us in August is experiencing a transition. So yeah, excitement is definitely the word um, and the one that we keep coming back to. Um, it's an extremely complex project, an extremely complicated project, um, but it's one which everybody is is willing and, and able to take on. Yeah. So other than excitement, what was <laughs> you to this particular post? What did you see? What did you feel? I think, um, I suppose to answer that question, it's, it's maybe important to go back um, a couple of years in terms of my sort of leadership journey, if that's, that doesn't sound too grand. Um, I started teaching in 2001 um, and I got a job as an English teacher at Dalkeith High School and I very much surprised myself by staying there for the next 20 years. <laughs> um, but I was there for a long time for a few different reasons. Um, but the biggest reason was that my ambition has always been about doing good work. It's mm -hmm. not necessarily been about a place or a post or a position. It's been about doing good work and trying to see that good work through. Um, and I was fortunate enough there to, to take on a principal teacher's role, then a faculty head role, um, then to move into to senior leadership. Um, first of all, as a deputy learning, teaching and assessment, which I think is where you and I first met, um, Sarah, when I was doing some work um, around uh, working with staff um, and around relational trust. Um, so doing the learning, teaching and assessment role and then move into doing the pupil support role. And in 2018, um, I started my master's in education and I started it with the inter-headship course because my fab head teacher, Alison Dobson, saw something in me that I probably didn't see in myself. Um, mm. And so when I turned up at the beginning of that course, oh my goodness, the imposter syndrome was strong. <laughs> it was really strong. Because um, I thought, oh, how have, I, how have I ended up here? It was never really my intention to be a head teacher. If somebody had said that to me at the start of my career, I'd have told them not to be so ridiculous. Um, but I've said before that, you know, it was the team at Murray House and there's fantastic tutors there and um, amazing provision on the MED courses. I've joked before and said that they radicalised me <laughs> because it's not as though prior to that I didn't question things I didn't challenge the status quo I didn't look at different ways of doing and being but actually it was through that that I kind of looked around and I went well do you know what if if not me then who and um, maybe this is something that I need to take really seriously and um, so I did that course and um, after that uh, fairly soon after finishing it I was appointed actually to a, a QIO quality improvements secondment um, which was a really interesting way of seeing another part of the system and then and then COVID happened and I was popped back into school and as everyone was who was on secondment and, and quite rightly too um, and through sessions 20, 21 and 21, 22 it was hard 
there's no you know there's no there's no other way of putting that it's both as, as simple and complicated as that it was hard um and I think what had kept me going through all of that and what had kept our really strong senior leadership team going through all of that was the thought that this is a really challenging situation we're in but it's also going to be a situation where we can really you know we can take learning from it um, we can take what we've discovered and we can reshape things and we can reform things. And, you know, I remember, uh, you know, there was so much kind of academic and theoretical interest around what would this mean for schools? What would we now do differently? I remember, um, <laughs> it's been one of your podcasts actually that put me in the right direction. I remember writing to, listening to one of Michael Fullan's discussions on the right drivers for education and well-being and learning and how they're connected and being like, yes, absolutely, we're going to do this. We're going to change things. And it just didn't happen. Mm. It just didn't happen. Um, and, you know, there'll be people far more immersed in the research than I am in terms of that desire to have that kind of regression to the mean or that desire to go back to what feels safe and familiar. And, you know, that discussion of going back to normal, mm. actually normal wasn't working for a lot of our young people and normal wasn't working for a lot of our, our staff and normal wasn't working for a lot of our parents. Mm. So I suppose from that moment, I thought, right, I, I need to do something big. I need to do something bold. I need to kind of have the courage of my convictions when I talk about doing things differently. And how easy is it really to do that with, within Scottish education? It isn't, and, and for good reason. Um, so when I first saw this post advertised, I remember actually saying to my husband, this is the dream. This is the dream job. Like, how how can there be anything that compares compares to that? Um, and being totally convinced that I was absolutely wasting my time applying for it um, because there would be people who were already known or people with more experience or, or whatever it was I was telling, whatever the story was I was telling myself, I was, I was, I was doing it. Um, the big thing has always been that, that actually you never really build a school from scratch because everybody comes with their own experiences and their own contextual knowledges and knowledge and so on but what you can absolutely do is get the right people on the bus um, and you can absolutely establish your your vision and value and your direction of travel from the ground up um, so I suppose when people ask me you know, why apply for that role I guess my flip is always why not <laughs> why wouldn't you um there's it, it's a once in a career opportunity there's absolutely no doubt about that mm, absolutely and and before we dive into that I just want to mark something that you said that it is something I hear a lot of um you you said about you know you never you never meant to be a head teacher in the sense of you never set out with that ambition 20 years ago and that's something I hear from so many people you know People often say to me, I'm an accidental head teacher. It's just like through a series of um, events and situations that I've ended up here. But but somebody's going to tap me on the shoulder or knock on the door and say, sorry, we made a mistake. Could you just? <laughs> and it's always amazes me how many people um, in head teacher positions and deputy head positions in particular, I think, have that sort of sense of not sure how I got here. Um, and I think it's always really helpful to hear, to, to say that out loud, because actually 
so many people hold that in themselves for a very long time, thinking they're the only one who has those thoughts or the only one who has those questions. Um, and actually, I think many of us do in lots of different mm -hmm. ways. Mm -hmm. And I think as well that if you're not asking that question, am I good enough? it possibly betrays a bit of a lack of self-awareness to look at it from the other side. I think that's, that's part of being human, isn't it? To be questioning all the time, um, am I good enough? I think, I think the day you stop questioning that is probably the day that you lose your, your drive and you lose that, that kind of commitment to improving things. Yeah. And, um, and, you know, I, I don't think that there's a substitute sometimes for having having done the graft and having been in the arena and having seen lots of different things come and go and and had to respond to them um but absolutely of course there's moments where I just think somebody at some point is going to realize that they've made a mistake um and, and moments when you turn around and you think right who's who's here to make that decision oh that's me that's me <laughs> um so you just have to have um yeah, you just have to have that kind of courage of your convictions, I think, and and go, well, there's lots, who's better placed after a couple of decades of, of, of doing that work um, to be trying to make the best decisions they can for the school community? I guess it's like so many things in, in life. It's about that balance, isn't it? It's that reflective capacity is really important. It's a really constructive, but it can also become so much that it becomes unhelpful. And so it's finding... Yeah that kind of sweet spot and knowing when to lean in and lean back mm -hmm. yeah I guess there's reflection and there's rumination and yeah. you have to be careful that it doesn't turn into to, to the rumination version um because again you know one of the big bits of learning through the last few months has been and we'll talk more I'm sure as we go on around kind of consultation and um making sure that the the, the views of the wider community are taken into consideration very very early doors I had to learn that you can't please all of the people all of the time and as someone who's a bit of a natural people pleaser that is hard <laughs> but do you know what Amanda on Facebook or Debbie on Twitter is always going to yeah. be annoyed about something um, and, and you just have to be okay with that because if you've taken all of the evidence that's available, if you've taken all of the knowledge and understanding that you can, um, if you've cast that net wide in terms of who you're consulting with and these are the conclusions that you've come to, you just have to kind of stand by them. Yeah. Um, so you said the school opens in August 2023. Yes. Remind me, when did you take up post so I came in in mid-September um, so that gave um, a little bit of time and space September to December in particular to do big thinking <laughs> big big thinking uh, in terms of staffing structures in terms of curriculum structures um, in terms of basically you know, looking around, realizing very quickly that there wasn't a textbook. So realizing yeah. I was just going to have to to driver diagram it myself um, mm -hmm. and try and work it out. Um, and I was completely on my own until the very end of February this year. And when I say completely on my own, I don't mean I was isolated or no one was speaking to me. There's obviously been a huge <laughs> amount of support yeah. from Eastlothian Council, um, from, you know, fantastic colleagues there in terms of moving things forward as well as in the design and build team. But I mean, on my own, as in I was the only person with, well, it was then Wallaford Learning Campus, it's now Rose Hill, with Wallaford Learning Campus in my email title and in my email signature. So 
everything was was coming in every kind of strategic and operational matter was was coming in directly to me um and that was really challenging but mm. also it gave such a just such an an increased knowledge in terms of all of the different factors that go into to making our schools that maybe we don't think about a lot they just kind of seem to happen uh, so to give one example um it never never did i expect i would have to to spend as much but well invest as much actually i think that's the way, way to look at invest as much time in in looking at all of those matters um, and really trying to understand the the teams that that supply and that monitor these things and that provide us with facilities which we really only notice when they go wrong and so it was definitely a way of, of ending up with fingers and pies that you wouldn't normally be anywhere near and that as a learning experience has been phenomenal. Yeah I mean it's a pretty rare opportunity you know to to have that I know it's not completely completely as in you know, as you said, people always bring things to it. Nobody starts with absolutely okay. nothing, but it's a rare thing. There's not many other head teachers that will have been in a similar position. Um, I can think of maybe one or two. I think there was one in Perth. Yeah, was we've it- made friends already. So there's Bertha Park in Perth. Don't want to. <laughs> yeah, there's Bertha Park in Perth, and there's also Winchborough Academy in West Lothian. Um, and I've met with both of those head teachers and visited their schools. Um, and we've got a bit of a, a kind of informal new schools network um, and, you know, intend to continue to, to learn from each other as we go through. Um, you know, you never want to start your your visit to someone else's place of learning with what mistakes did you make? <laughs> but that's absolutely, you know, what really useful conversations have come out of making those connections. And, and you know, there will be someone else who comes along after me and they'll ask me that question. And hopefully I'll be able to provide really useful insight as well. So it is it is unusual. They're probably the only two that are, are kind of a strict equivalent. Um, but even then, everybody's context is unique. Bertha Park started with S1 and S2, Winchborough with S1 only. I've got S1 to S3. And um, so even that in itself means that where you focus your energies and attentions can be very different. Yeah. So tell us, what have been some of the the high points, the really, you know, the things where you've like, this is you're in flow you know you're like this is this is great I'm really enjoying this what are some of those moments that you've experienced over the last um six months yeah I think it's really interesting that you used the word flow there because it's probably the first time in a long time that I've actually genuinely got to that kind of flow state um, within my working day and within my working environment um and I think what's been really clear is the importance of having that deep thinking and deep work time um which you know is 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 something that most people only get to dream of um so there have definitely been occasions that i've gone right i'm gonna have a really big think about transition Mm -hmm. um i'm able to, to to kind of turn off notifications i'm able to sit and work i'm not getting up until i've actually thought this through um, and I've had several mornings that I've been able to do that. And you come away and you just start to think about, you know, in school, the, the challenge is always time, isn't it? Everyone always goes, oh, if we only, if we only had more time. Well, do you know what? You're never having more time. And even if you did get more time, you'd find more stuff to fill it because that's what we do. <laughs> but it's really been about thinking deeply about how we use that time um, and how efficiently we use it. 
and you know you you sit down to to think about an area of policy and practice and and as I said to to the rest of the team as they started joining in the spring, what you'll find guys which will blow your mind is that sometimes you'll start a job and then you'll finish it. <laughs> and they kind of looked at me aghast, like, how could this possibly happen? Um, because we're so used to working in these micro chunks of time and it's exhausting and it's really inefficient. Yeah. Um, so that's definitely something I'm thinking a lot about in terms of organising our working practices moving forward. Mm-hmm. In terms of other definite highs, um, I think recruitment has to, although it's busy and, and yeah. uh, time consuming, and, and that sounds like a weird thing to say, but that has absolutely been a high. There is nothing as exciting as being able to choose the majority of your team. And actually, you know, in the context that we're in, where a lot of our conversations about education in Scotland can can feel quite, quite challenging and feel quite negative, um, to actually have the pleasure day after day of sitting in front of um, really committed, really passionate, um, really driven professionals and to listen to them and to learn from them and to understand all of the experiences that have, have brought them to that point. That's such a privilege um, and it can't be underemphasised how many um, strong candidates there are out there still despite the challenges um, that we have in some areas of recruitment in Scotland. Um, I suppose the, the flip side of that, if mm. I may, is the number of people you have to say no to. Mm. Um, so I have read so far, and we're, we're still recruiting, and you mentioned earlier when we were talking um, the kind of Twitter feeds and, and promoting things mm. through that and getting that sense of scale. I've read over 700 applications already. Wow. Um, it's days and days and weeks and weeks of work and often when people are, are asking for feedback and I do really try and give feedback when people have come to interview stage I always do that I think it's so important that we all you know help to, to keep improving the systems in that way and to give people that that respect for the time that they've taken um, sometimes really what you're you're saying is you were great but you just weren't the best one and that's not massively helpful or mm. you were great but it's maybe not this role at this time um so the real the real kind of high is at the end of every day of recruitment being like oh my goodness I've added a fantastic new member of my team mm. but the really difficult bit is watching the great candidates that you under normal circumstances couldn't imagine yourself saying no to and um, but you've had to um, mm. So there will be, I know there will be hundreds of people out there going, oh, I can't believe I can't believe I didn't get an interview, can't believe I didn't get a, give a shot, get a shot. And that can be quite hard. Mm. Again, as I said, as someone who's naturally a bit of a people pleaser. <laughs> um, but it's really about the, the unique context and where people fit into that. So having that chance to um, be really clear um, in your job adverts and job descriptions about what you're looking for, hearing members of your team who've only been in for a few days going, I don't think they're Rose Hill and understanding how well you have communicated what it is you're looking Mm -hmm. for. That's a real buzz and um, making those connections with people from different contexts, different local authorities and bringing all of that kind of knowledge and experience together is, yeah, that that can't be underestimated in terms of what a positive experience that is. Yeah. 
and a hopeful story for the wider context of Scottish education as well when you are seeing and experiencing that that quality and also that that kind of purpose and service driven yeah yeah and I think it's been really interesting in particular to I mean I've obviously sat in lots of interview panels (laughs) over the years as a principal teacher faculty head deputy um, and never have I heard so many people focus on the whole child focus on themselves as a a teacher of children rather than a teacher of English or modern studies or or whatever Um, and although we still have a massive mountain to climb um, in terms of how we include all of our learners what I've definitely seen in the last few years and I think again particularly post-Covid is a shift in the understanding um, of classroom teachers as a whole um, in terms of the contribution we can all make to inclusion and well-being and being able to articulate that. I'm not saying it wasn't there before, um, but but really kind of understanding um, what an important part of the, the package that is. Yeah, yeah. And how does it feel now to have your, your kind of leadership team in place and, and working with you, I assume, or some of them at least, yeah? Yeah, so um, I now have my business manager and two of my deputies. Um, the other deputy head is coming in just after Easter and her particular role is around the Bray and the Severe and Complex Needs provision. And um, yeah, there is something amazing about working independently and getting in that flow state, but it doesn't compare to getting three or four people around the table and really trying to bottom things out we have a a folder on our shared drive which is just called big thinking and anyone is invited to start a document on it which basically starts with what about (laughs) so at the moment we've gone what about what about communication with parents you know what are we doing what are we thinking um and we can um dive in and put our, our ideas in in the google form as it goes and then we just have round tables a couple of uh um times a week bring it out and go okay these are our big ideas what are we going to do about it and that can feel quite quite pressured in a way because every you know how you have these meetings that are for discussion and meetings that are for decisions they all have to be meetings where decisions are made decisions always have to be made um but actually when you get into that way of working and when you've taken the time beforehand to be sort of you know percolating and thinking through that before you come in we're usually pretty congruent in terms of the direction of travel that we want to take so yeah having having that space and that time and again really crucially often that undisturbed space and time means that actually you can respond to and you can um plan things much more effectively and much more efficiently than than you might be used to yeah so what are some of the other big questions that you're you're exploring because i think i saw a couple at various points through the different threads on Twitter (laughs) and again it's a really exciting space because I suppose you're not necessarily having to change something to explore these questions or change something with the outcome of those decisions you're able to kind of co-create in a different a different way so I'm curious what are your what are your big questions? Yeah so um, I suppose there's 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 a couple of different there's almost categories in terms of the, <laughs> the big questions there's big questions 
that we have asked the community in the first place and then there's the implications for ourselves as school leaders. So really early doors and um, I knew that it was important to me to have um, a genuine partnership with with parents mm. um, and, and, I, and I, I use that word genuine advisedly because I think it is very easy to um, to do this in quite a shallow way um, and to ask for you know very kind of quick polls and feedbacks about different things and sometimes that's appropriate um but actually how often do we ask our parents and how often do we ask our young people um questions about identity questions about community um questions about one that really sparked off lots of discussion was what do we want our young people to know and be able to do by the time they leave um rose hill high school um, so really early on, um, I set up a number of uh, in-person parent engagement uh, sessions. Um, it was really important to, to do those first stages in person, um, I felt, and to, to give people the opportunity to, to have those discussions in the flesh. Um, and then kind of backing that up, I then created a series of different Google Forms, which asked some of those big questions as well. And it was fascinating to hear what was coming through as important because at no point did anyone mention attainment mm. nobody ever mentioned that they talked about opportunities they talked about um, communities they talked about mental health they talked about um, peer relationships and support nobody mentioned attainment mm. and I find that really really interesting because we have a really strong culture at the moment nationally of seeing attainment as an input. And it's this thing of what are we gonna do? We're gonna raise attainment. But that's not an input, that's an output. That's what happens when you've got all of the other bits right. So actually giving people space to not assume what was important to them, but to actually listen to what was important to them um, was, was great. And I think what was another big learning moment for me was I took those same questions about identity and about character and about skills and about learning um, and I asked them to the young people as well. And again, I think the story that we tell ourselves is that there's some huge divide in the generations just now mm -hmm. and that adolescents and their parents disagree and are odd. And that's just not true because actually most of the stuff they said was really similar. Um, so, so one bit of work we did was around our, our school values um, and really thinking about what they would look like, sound like and feel like. And just before um, Easter, we settled on respect, kindness and responsibility. But that's what came from, from, from all of those stakeholders. Um, it wasn't that there were significant differences or we had to come up with some kind of compromise um, position. So I think really the big message there is about actually creating that time to, to listen, to not go in with an assumed agenda about what's important to people, um, but to actually ask genuinely open questions um, and, and see where that discussion takes you. Um, so those are the kind of big questions that we've been exploring in the community. And I suppose for us as an emerging staff team, all of those big questions have come down to curriculum, curriculum in its widest sense. You know, not just happen what happens between 8.30 and 3.30, but what the experience of our learners is like. And that's been um, a fantastic one to be working on because we again are in a unique position in that this year we don't need to think about SQA. Um, 
it's not the tail that wags the dog. Mm -hmm. Now that's not to say that we aren't already thinking about how will these options connect into to work in the senior phase. Of course we are, you know, of course we're starting to think about that um, and different pathways to support young people and um, whatever their planned destinations will be. But actually, you know, we've been able to make big, bold decisions like, um, okay, we talk about learning for sustainability and its importance and, and how seriously young people take their global citizenship okay well let's actually put that into the curriculum let's actually have that as something that, that all young people are going to be engaging with um, we have this notion that young people are digital natives but then on the other hand um, we talk about um, gaps in knowledge in terms of, of managing different types of information okay well let's do something about that let's actually put that into the curriculum so it's a BGE that's not you know, a preparation for or a, a, a kind of watered down version of what will be offered in the senior phase. It's a BGE that actually, we hope, <laughs> um, helps to inculcate those kind of skills and qualities that the young people need. Because how often do we hear ourselves and we hear staff and we hear the young people themselves talk about not feeling senior phase ready? Um, well, the solution to that is, is not to continue to do what we've been doing for years and expect a different result. The solution mm -hmm. to that is to try and find a different way of looking at the BGE. Mm. And I guess that ties back to what you said was was part of, you know, when you were looking at this, that the, the couple of years with COVID or tight COVID mm -hmm. um, and that idea of the normal wasn't working. Does it does it feel different? Will it look different? So I think the important thing to remember is that we are still going to be subject to the same kind of rules and regulations as everybody else. Um, so, you know, we will still have a certain number of hours that we need to fulfil. Um, we will still have, Eastlodian has a, a common school day for good reason. We will still need to fulfil that. We still need to make sure that <clears throat> we are reflecting all of the curricular mm. areas um, within Curriculum for Excellence. So the parameters remain the same but the grey space within those parameters is what mm. I'm always really interested in. Mm. Um, and I suppose in terms of will it feel different, we've got a kind of ideal group because we have young people who will have experienced um, one way of looking at the curriculum, one really valid way of looking at the curriculum um, through their current school, and then they will actually move during their senior um, school education, which again is, is very, very unusual. Um, so one of the things that we're thinking about um, straight away is thinking about um, how we are going to um, embrace people's voice, how we're going to make sure that, that young people have those leadership and feedback opportunities. Um, and I think a lot of it is everything's going to be a test of change, absolutely everything. Um, mm -hmm. And there are risks associated with that. But again, sometimes you just have to take that step forward because they're not uncalculated risks they're not they're not yeah. risks that we're not aware of um but of course they're risks because we are doing something where we are going to be generating the evidence basis um and so i think that really careful and um, sort of evaluation and monitoring all the way through those first phases is going to be really important and also i'm not naive i'm sure i'll be sitting here this time next year and i'll go that was brilliant so glad we did that let's re-emphasize and i'll go what were we thinking there because yeah. that is that is how change works you know none of us are superhuman none of us get things absolutely right the first time round. but what we do have is a real willingness to embrace that change um and a culture where um 
there's a real positivity and that word again, excitement mm-hmm. <laughs> about what we're trying to achieve with the curriculum. Yeah, and I guess just this coming to me as we're, we're talking and as you said that there, you know, that that excitement is perhaps unusual or not necessarily always there when there is change mm-hmm. because often change comes from out with or it feels like it comes from out with and we have to respond to it and that often creates those feelings of um uncertainty or not wanting the change whereas this is change perhaps coming through through a different way and I guess that does create different reactions and feelings towards it mm-hmm. yeah I think what I've always been like, sorry sorry you've got people choosing to come into that change as well which is different. I think there's definitely an element of that. And I think what's also been really important is showing the through lines in terms of the data collection. And I mean data mm. in its widest sense. I don't just mean quantitative data. Um, but but what I've really always consciously done after those engagements, after we've put um consultation questions out, is I've I've pulled all that data together and I've tried to really and, and I hope I've really clearly shown the through line between this is the discussion that we had this is what I'm seeing as the main messages, these are the implications for our practice and trying to do it that way. And exactly as you say, um, you know, I, I used the, the metaphor earlier of, of getting the right people on the bus, there's folk flagging that bus down, <laughs> you know, they're, they're wanting to jump on it. Um, uh, they, they know what the bus contains. Um, I've tried um, as much as possible to be really open and really proactive yeah. in terms of, of sharing the thinking and absolutely you know the hundreds of applications aside there will be people that, that that would look at the school and look at the discussions we're having and thinking that's not for me and that's fine that's okay it doesn't need to be um because there's lots of different school cultures and contexts out there and, and you have to decide on what's right for you um but i think by putting into the the kind of public domain all of those discussions that we are having that's created a lot of interest and that's created um I'm going to use the word excitement again (laughs) enthusiasm I'll go for enthusiasm um but that's that's you know it's it's almost become um a kind of cycle within itself that, that that people are interested in what they're seeing on the website they're interested in what they're seeing in social media they they make that application they discuss that with other people around about them and, and we can see kind of multiple people coming through from from different local authorities and different school contexts and um, because the word is is spreading in that sense yeah you I just want to join a dot or two here. You you were talking there about kind of engaging with the community, and you mm-hmm. also made the point in, when you kind of introduced yourself. You said you're the, the head the head of Rose Hill High School and establishment, and kind of mm-hmm. what that entails. And I, so I'm curious, I suppose, like how because we've naturally perhaps fallen into that conversation more around the the school, but what about the other part? Yeah. What does all of that involve? And yeah, I'm sure there's learning there as well. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So um, at the moment, I'm involved in two um, really wide-ranging uh, boards and groups. So there is the, the whole Wallaford campus um, board, which is people from all different um, wings of East Lothian Council and representatives from, from out with as well. Um, and that meets really regularly to look at um, the progress on the building, but but the building in its wider sense, not just the fabric of it, but in terms of um, where different partners are with their needs and aspirations. And then within that, I also chair a subgroup 
um, which has representatives from all of the different organisations who will actually be um, uh, working, I was going to say living within the campus, maybe that'll just be me for the first few months anyway, uh, they won't be living there, um, <laughs> but he'll be working within the campus, um, so representation from sport and leisure, representation from libraries, um, representation uh, from IT and so on, um, and basically what we are committed to doing is continuing um, that board and continuing that subgroup far past the actual opening of the building because you know there'll, there'll be obviously a bit of a, a kind of soft opening in the sense of we'll get the school part started we'll be bringing all of the partners on board over the course of session 23-24 um, but trying to do that in a way that is sensible, sensibly paced and that allows us again to be doing that monitoring and evaluation all the way through um, because first and foremost you know, we, we need to look at the, the safety and well-being and inclusion of the young people that are, are coming to our school provision. That's the statutory bit of it. Um, and we need to make sure that um, everything else that's going on within those community areas um, is 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 run and is led um, in a way that, that supports um, the, the good order of the building on the whole. So that is not going to be a, a finished project by August 23. That's really... It's it's not the it's not the beginning of the end, but it's the end of the beginning, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, as in, all of the partners have uh, notional dates where they will be moving themselves and their services into the campus as a whole. Um, but all of that is is being worked through gradually, and um, yeah, the number of people that are involved and the number of people that um it's really important to maintain good working relationships with and good communication with is, is really significant. And again, something that is is probably not something that a lot of head teachers get to experience so directly. Yeah, yeah. Feels like there's a there there's a kind of um bricks and mortar part to, to this yeah. <laughs> and probably technical stuff that I won't even be <laughs> Listen, I know about way leaves now and everything. It's amazing <laughs> how my technical knowledge has improved. Being married to an architect is also very handy. Actually, <laughs> that would definitely come in, in handy in this situation. Um, but there's also a real human element to this as well, isn't yeah. there? Yeah. 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 And I think um I think what we also can't underestimate is what a significant change this is for 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 Wallaford as a village as well um Wallaford has a really proud history it's former mining community it has a really active um community council um it has managed to and and this has come from parents who've moved into the area as well it's managed to retain a real village feel and a real village community feel despite the proximity of, of Edinburgh you literally yeah. look down from the school and, and you see Arthur's seat and you see everything around there but it does it does feel like a um a, a small kind of rural community and, and all the strength that that brings um but this is a really significant change for people who live in that community um there has been significant new house building that brings with it lots of new opportunities and connections and um you know it, it's it's really encouraging to see so many people um looking at and wanting to be part of what East Lothian has to offer um but the kind of offset of that is that change is difficult change mm -hmm. is difficult um and 
one of the decisions that, that was made um, for all the right reasons was, for example, to move the community centre, which was in the, the centre of Walworthford, into the new campus. And um, we're working really closely with everyone involved in that. Relationships are really positive. Everybody wants to make that change work. Um, but it's a different environment. It's different ways of accessing it. We're working really hard to make sure that there aren't any barriers for people to continue to do that. Um, and I think just, uh, I think one of the key things in that, that human element is just that sensitivity to the fact that whilst this is a really good news story, it's, it's absolutely not going to be one that doesn't have its little bumps and, and challenges along the road. Um, and I think just being that, being that kind of face of the campus is a pretty awesome responsibility in the traditional sense of the word um, and being trusted by the community um, is is something that I, I continue to, to work really hard on and, and I'm really committed to because there's a lot of, um, yeah, there's going to be a lot of difference in terms of demographics, in terms of different um, circumstances with relation to, to population growth and, and being on top of that and appreciating the complexity of that is really important. Mm, I can I can only begin to imagine. <laughs> um, as we move into the, the last term of this academic session, which clearly has been a different kind of academic session. <laughs> um you must be in that space of beginning I guess the reality of the move in and the start of term becomes much more imminent what what are your hopes what are your aspirations at this stage for for Rose Hill so I think I think probably and this maybe seems like a strange way of framing it but I think overall the biggest aspiration has to be that Nobody thinks that a beautiful state-of-the-art building is the end of the story. <laughs> That's the yeah. beginning of the story. Um, and one thing I say to my, my team quite a lot is that we need to remember that none of us have a magic wand. Mm -hmm. uh, none of us have the answer to, to all of the challenges that we're facing in terms of wider society. I am so lucky in having, you know, a supportive local authority and having a really aspirational community, but I don't have the answer to absolutely everything. And um, I think we would be incredibly naive if we were to think that that all of the decisions that we make will suddenly eradicate all challenge and all difficulty and all um, negative attitudes towards learning. And, and that's just not going to happen. Because actually what we do in our schools is we make micro level and at best meso level decisions for the right reasons. But actually, we're doing that in a context of some real macro level socioeconomic changes at the moment. And although our sphere of influence is great, yeah. it, it, it doesn't solve all of our dilemmas and we can't magically... <laughs> um, create a situation in which um, no young person and no family experiences challenge, experiences diversity and so um, adversity and so on. Our sphere of influence is important, but I suppose for me, it's about being really clear that it takes a whole village to raise a child. 
Um, and there's certain things that we can do within Rose Hill High School. There's certain things we can do within the Wallaford Learning Campus as a whole. But actually, we all need to be investing in those relationships with our young people and the things that we can do to get the most out of them. Um, my young people will be with me in school for about six, six and a half hours a day, five days a week, 39 weeks a year. That's nowhere near the majority of their time. Um, so when we think about partnership, we have to think about um, the ways in which we are communicating our, our kind of shared aspirations and our shared values with each other. So that no matter what part of the community our uh, teenagers are going into, they feel welcomed and they feel included. And I think that's a real challenge just now. We will all have read that through you know, complex circumstances, you've got different companies, different shops, et cetera, who aren't happy to engage with young people at the moment. Um, there's lots of discussion and reporting of those kind of breakdowns of, of relationships. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it's going to be really interesting to see um, how successfully we are able to communicate and, and bring together a sense of a shared responsibility and accountability. Um, for some of the challenges that our, our young people are facing at the moment. Um, so I guess that's quite a, a long way around of saying that the aspiration is that everyone sees that they have a role in making things better for the next generation. Absolutely. And a, a worthy aspiration, and I'm sure an aspiration shared by many as well. Um, if you were to go back and give Gail of 2001 <laughs> some advice, <laughs> oh. gosh, what would you say to your younger self? Um, I think probably it's an old Scottish one from my grandma. What's for you won't go by you. Um, there's been lots of lots of times. Um, in the journey where you can't help yourself but look towards the road less taken can you or the road not taken you know and you can't help but go but maybe if this had happened or maybe if that had happened but but there's just no point in doing that um so I think what's for you won't go by you and I think um most importantly there isn't some secret group <laughs> sitting somewhere at a top table that knows the answers like they just don't. <laughs> they just don't. There's not there's not a grown up who's gonna come along and sort it out. It's you. Um so so accept that um and and, and do what you can in that regard. Mm. Gail, thank you. It's been it's been a pleasure to have the opportunity to dig into all the different parts and the layers of your, your experience this year and the opportunity um that you have and as I said, when we were chatting earlier, I've been watching and observing through Twitter and getting a little bit of a sense of what it might be like. But it's great to have the opportunity to dig into that. And I think there's lots in what you've shared that will support other people on their journeys, wherever they are, whoever they are as well. So thank you for, for taking the time. Thank you. As you know, because I know you listen to the podcast regularly, you know that we finish um, our podcast conversations with the same two questions. So my first question, and again, because we're connected on Twitter, I, I see often what you read as well. But what are you reading at the moment? 
and it may be more than one. <laughs> oh, good, because I was going to say, am I allowed three? Because usually <laughs> on the go, I've got a fiction, I've got a non-fiction for fun, and I've got a non-fiction for school. So um, I might just I might just give a nod okay. to each of them. Um, but actually, before I do that, I think one thing that it's really important to say that I started doing this year was I started making sure that I read a workbook, as I call them, for 10 to 15 minutes every day, oh. wait for it, during the school day. Okay. Um, so either very, very early on before people come in or as a way of kind of coming into land before getting in the car, or sometimes I've even been known to doing it in the car. Um, as I said earlier, there's never going to be more time. There just isn't. Um, but having been really strict with myself since August and keeping even that 10 minutes a day, I can totally see the benefit of it. So if there's one small thing that people can do that seems achievable, um, that's definitely something that's been really helpful for me. Um, so in terms of nonfiction for work, um, I've just finished High Challenge, Low Threat by Mary Myatt. Um, I really like Myatt's kind of calm and common sense approach to things. Um, I've been fortunate enough to hear her speak a couple of times as well. Um, and we obviously touched a little bit on, on COVID disruption and I found her book back on track that I read at that point really, really helpful in terms of essentialism and in terms of, you know, her refrains around what sensible leaders do. <laughs> I love that phrase, Sens sensible leaders, people that know you're just going to have to get the job done. Um, and the answer to that is quite often... Um, that sensible leaders don't do anything that doesn't contribute to their school as a learning organisation or doesn't contribute to, to young people's learning in some way. Um, and feeling confident in saying no to things is something that I have definitely found difficult. Um, um, we referred earlier to me of 20 years ago, she would definitely have found that hard. Um, but I've got much better at that and I've been forced to get much better than that because otherwise it would be overwhelming at the moment. We really need to, to prioritise um, on the safety, wellbeing and inclusion of our young people above all else. Um, in terms of non-fiction, um, I know that you'll know this one because you have recommended this before, as of a couple of colleagues. I finally got round to actually reading rather than just knowing the ideas um, from Stolen Focus by Johan Harry. Um, I, I referred earlier to that importance of prioritising time for deep work, which I think I kind of knew through experience. So it's quite nice to have it written down and why that's important for um, appropriate referencing. And um, it's definitely one that I'm going to really encourage my, my team to think about in terms of the small things that you can do. Like I'm, I'm gobsmacked when I see that people have work email alerts on their phone and, and and it's it's all through the evening and it's through the weekends because that's not helping anyone it's not helping you but it's definitely not helping your school community and um, because if you're angry and exhausted and stressed you're no good to me and you're no good to the young people so um it's been really good to to he's a great storyteller as well he puts things into context really well so i've enjoyed that and for fiction, for fun, uh, something completely different. Um, this is one that was recommended to me by my eldest daughter. Um, one of the things I think that we don't think about enough with our uh, with um, with with children coming through is how much fun it is to have an actual adult as your child and to be able to share reading back and forwards. So I have just finished Matrix by Lauren Groff. I think that's how you pronounce her surname: G R O F F. 
and it's a historical novel based on the life of Marie de France, who was a medieval nun who set up a women-only community and took an impoverished nunnery and made it into the envy of all. And I absolutely love reading reimagined stories of women who have not had their rightful place in history or their rightful place in mythology um, and reading through that. And I never thought for a moment I'd find the life of a medieval nun quite compelling, but <laughs> I was up for giving it a go. Unfortunately, I think I probably like the finer things in life a bit too much, yeah. <laughs> um, but just completely otherworldly, um, complete escapism and beautiful poetic language as well. Mm all for a bit of escapism every now and again yeah <laughs> thank you Gail lots to think about there um and so lastly do you have a quote or a message that you would like to leave our listeners with yeah so when I was thinking about this I thought at first I was going to go for something fabulous and feminist from like Jacinda Ardern or Ruth Bader Ginsburg or something like that and then I think my colleagues would probably expect me to go for something from a really kind of big hitting educationalist but actually, I'm going to quote from the TV series Friends, <laughs> which I've just been re-watching uh, with my youngest daughter. Um, because one of the quotations from Friends was a bit of a, a running joke between myself and um, my Dalkeith High School colleagues. And that quotation is, be yourself, but not too much. So in terms of what that means, um, we talk quite a lot about the importance of being authentic as a head teacher, which is absolutely true. Um, the road to getting my head teacher appointment was not a smooth or even one. I was rejected plenty of times and I was rejected with uh, feedback along the lines of good but not right for this role. And, 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 and I hated that feedback, but I'm giving it myself all the time now. Um, and it turns out they were right. Um, and for a long time, I thought maybe I'm just not head teachery enough. Maybe I'm just not what people think of when they think of a head teacher. Um, and then I did the Head Teacher Leadership Academy with Columba 1400, which of course you'll be very familiar with. Um, and the work that was undertaken there just gave me that boost and gave me that return to self-confidence that I needed to be able to go, no, your authentic self is, is, is all you can do, really. Anything else is exhausting. So the be yourself bit absolutely rings true, rings true but so does the but not too much um, because in this role and in many roles in education, um, there has to be a role for compromise and there has to be a role for being politic in its widest sense. And you have to decide, you know, what are your not for sales? What are your red lines? What are the hills that you're willing to die for and um, willing to die on? And what are the things that you just have to be annoyed about quietly by yourself and move on from <laughs> because because you're never you're never going to always be delighted with decisions that are made um, and you're never going to always agree with absolutely everything that's going on round about you um, but you have to sometimes keep the thoughts in your head and that's okay so be yourself but not too much would be my my closing words of advice Perfect words to close with. And I always welcome uh, friends, always welcome friends references. So thank you for bringing us to changing conversations. Gail. Not the most intellectually inspiring, but the most relevant I felt at the moment. We, we like things from all directions and all spaces. <laughs> thank you for listening, folks. We really value you taking the time and space to join us. 
and we hope that you take something positive from it. We'd love to hear your reflections, so please get involved via Twitter or contact us directly by email. Thanks again, stay safe and take good care.